We are joined by Matt Caldersmith from Hardy's. Good morning to, to you, Matt, and uh, Jill, take it away. Thanks very much, Matt. Thank you for joining us. Um, look, I think Hardy's is, is just so well known. It has to be one of the most famous uh, wine brands in Australia and, uh, and and consequently across the world. So let's start with saying congratulations on the recent uh, results that have come through from the McLaren Vale Wine Show. You've uh, you've cleaned up with some of your very well very well known, but um, I'm not quite sure how much your Rainella basket Absav is known as as much as your other brands like Tintara, etc. So, could we maybe just start with uh, telling us a bit about Rainella and the beautiful Grenache and the Cab Sav that you're producing? Sure. Firstly, hi. Thanks very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Uh, Rainella Winery was established by John Rainell in the 1830s, I believe. So it's one of the oldest and most established uh, wine producers and labels in Australia. Um, we've been producing Cabernet and Shiraz Grenache for quite some time off those vineyards. Uh, the property was acquired, well, the business was acquired in the 18s, in the sorry, 1970s by um, the Hardy family. And uh, it's quite a funny story there because Thomas Hardy, who started the Hardy's uh found the whole Hardy's company back in the 18th. He came to Australia in 1850, and his first job was with John Raynell. So uh, it's quite a story that's um, come full circle for that uh, business to be back in the Hardy's, uh, uh, you know, uh, empire. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but uh, the Ranella range is one a very premium range. It's made from old vines. Uh, most of the vineyards are over 40 years of age. With the Cabernet Sauvignon that you mentioned, we recently won the trophy at the McLaren Vale Wine Show for Best Museum Wine, which we are ext extremely proud of for the 2016 vintage, which in McLaren Vale was a fantastic vintage. Um, mm -hmm. And it's good to see that wine at five years of age showing well. It's a blend of two old vineyards, one vineyard of the original Ranella Homestead, and the other vineyard is off the original Hardy's uh, vineyard up in Upper Tintara, and we spend a lot of time blending to sort of make sure that the wines are show show really well. They're really full-bodied, but complexity and uh, very even, and um, well, we think great drinks. Sure, and of course they are basket pressed, which just gives it that extra little bit of special. Can you explain what the basket press process actually is? Even though it sounds quite self-explanatory, can you can you give us some layman's terms of why you do it and what impact it has on the wine? Certainly. So at Tintara, uh, we're extremely fortunate in that we have the best of both worlds. In our open fermentation cellar is where we have we do all our premium red wines. We've got five-ton fermenters and 10-ton fermenters. Uh, we've got 50 of them. So we're able to bring in our fruit at optimal ripeness because we've got fermentation space to fit everything in when it's mm. ripe. Um, these fermenters are state-of-the-art. They've got insulation within the walls and heating and cooling so we can keep control of everything. And they're up on pneumatic rams. So when the fermentation is over, we can drain the juice off. And instead of having to shovel the skins out like you would have to with traditional um, open fermenters that are normally cement, so there's no other way of getting the skins out. We can drain drain the skin straight out into the basket, and that basket is then put onto the basket press, which is 
in Tintara, it's made in 1919, so it's 101 years old. So hence the mix of traditional and modern technologies that we're so fortunate to have. And the basket press is a fabulous tool because it's only small amounts. So say for a 10-tonne fermenter, you drain off the wine and you're left with about three baskets of, of skins and there's a lot of colour and flavour still left in the skins. So we, we put them onto the press and the press gently squeezes the skins. Now, if you want to find a winemaker in uh, Tintara during vintage, they're generally hanging around the basket press because that's where all the good wine is. Yep. And this, the, the process is very slow and time-consuming, uh, but it's where you get the best results. Because we press the skins so slowly, we're able to get maximum extraction of, of that amazing colour and flavour and, and the colours and flavours that really are incredible at that point. But if you press too hard, you start getting some bitterness and too much tannin. So the basket enables us to hit that exact point that we've stopped the process and then that wine that we've just pressed off goes into back with the original wine from the fermenter. Right. Okay. Well, that that actually really does explain. I'm, I'm quite fortunate. I do have a 2016 uh, basket-pressed cab sav and grenache in my cellar so um and i know that drinking beautifully right now they would be you know five years in how long would you actually keep both of them down um what are you doing tonight jill um, <laughs> well, no, <why> come on? <laughs> um in all seriousness i really we, we really try to make the wines approachable so that they are good drinking when they're released but ultimately Tintara wines are really known for their structure and it's vitally important if you want a wine to aim so that the structure is is ample but also that there's incredible the balance has to be fine and we really do tune you know with a company this old we've got so much history and so much experience that we've been doing this for such a long time that we think we're doing getting it right but our aim is to make sure that wine is in perfect balance so that you have the confidence you can lay that down and I think with the Cabernet I think it's drinking really well now, but um, I reckon 20 years it, it would hold on to. We, we've had – Cabernet is quite uh, – McLaren Vale is quite um, underregarded for or sort of not well-known for Cabernet as, as well as it should be. We've actually won quite a few Jimmy Watson trophies with McLaren Vale Cabernet. Um, Jimmy Watson trophy, for if you're not aware, being the most esteemed award in Australia for Australian yeah. wine. So the Cabernet has incredible tannins and that really will enable the wine to live for a long time. The Grenache is a little bit more vintage dependent um, and uh, is in good years, like 2016 was a great year for Grenache. In fact, it was the first year that we produced the Renella Grenache, I think, since 2001. Uh, no, sorry, 2009, I think, was the last time we produced it. But um, it was a really strong year and as a wine that is quite full-bodied and has a lot of uh, good colour and flavour and, again, the balance that you require. So um, that's a wine that will live for a while but probably drinks quite well now. There's lots of uh, natural fruit and um, soft tannins. I actually had a bottle of it last year and it is my favourite Grenache I've ever had. It's, I think it's absolutely stunning. So I do have that one, one extra bottle. I would love to, like to get some more, but um, 
it sells out quite quickly, I have to say, even though I know that you do actually make a, a decent amount considering it's basket pressed. But um, so well, thank you for just talking a bit about Raynella because I wanted to give people a bit of a, an overview of that. But you've got so many different brands. I think you have a range of like 20, 20 different ranges in, in, in the Hardy's under the Hardy's name. Is that right? Um, I couldn't tell you exactly. <laughs> um, I think at one stage, if you include the whole brand with the Berry Winery, it was over 40. Um, wow. But with, within our, our winery at Tintara in McLaren Vale, I think I'd be guessing it, um, it's up around 12. But at, in any one year, we're bringing in over 200 batches of red wines. We also do uh, the HRB range, the Hardy's Heritage Reserve Bin range. And that's um, a little bit more complex because that involves multi-regional blending. So we also bring in wine from all around the country to blend uh, to the highest level possible. Um, this enables consistency of style and, and quality because let's say, for example, the HRB Cabernet is often a blend of Margaret River McLaren Vale and Coonawarra, sometimes Franklin River in, in Western Australia. If, for example, Coonawarra doesn't have a great year, then there's less of a proportion of that, and hopefully the other areas can to, can make up that balance. Um, and so that, again, increases the complexity of the number of wines and batches. So any one year in Tintara will have over 200 batches from the vintage of red wine. Well, I have to say um, the Hardy's HRB range is definitely one of my favourites. Um, I had one of the 2018 Chardonnays HRB last night. Um, and I think that's I think that's from two different is that from two different wineries? I think the 2020 is a, is is actually just one. I think it's just Yarra, uh, but the 18 I think it might be between two. But I love the whole HRB story of only sourcing the fruit that is specifically brilliant. It dependent on the vintage and the region. So it's never always going to be from there, from there. It will be just wherever the best fruit is from, and that's why the HRB wines are so good. Exactly, and we're able to get consistency of quality because of yes. this. Um, and I think it's a, a fantastic – well, it piques interest for the winemakers because we get so many more options, but it's also, I think, something that's not able in many other wineries in in Australia. So, uh, you know, we get to see the best of the best. Um, you know, the Pinot from the HRB Pinot Noir – is a blend of often Tasmania and Yarra. Um, and as I said, the, we, get, we draw fruit from Western Australia, Victoria, and uh, sometimes New South Wales as well for the Chardonnay. Yeah, I had to say the, the HRB Pinot Noir 2019 is gorgeous. Um, you you wouldn't be aware of this, but I'm, I'm afraid Simon and some of our listeners are probably sick of me saying this, but uh, I actually got married just four weeks ago. And on the on the, the wine menu was the Hardy's HRB Chardonnay 2018, the Pinot Noir 2019, and the Shiraz 2018, which just got 96 points. Uh, congratulations. So um, quite quite a fan of, of those. Oh, congratulations and uh, congratulations also on a fantastic <laughs> wine list. That would have been a good night for many reasons. Oh, it's sensational, actually. What's kind of funny, we had a bit of a COVID wedding. We meant to have 70 people, but um, we only had uh, 20 in the end. But we'd catered the wines for 70, so my cellar's beautifully stocked with the HRB range. I'm like, happy that. <laughs> You'll be drinking well for a while. That's yeah. a good problem to have, Jill. <laughs> it um, it's a great problem. Hey, so uh, just talk can I, back to the can I just ask a question? Um, well, just while we're on that blending, um, Matt, how 
how is the actual process? Given you've got so many wines and you've obviously got a wine make, you know, a large winemaking team, what's the actual process of of getting those wines, having a look at them all, and 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 how much collaboration is there between the team about what makes the final blend? It's a big day, Simon. Um, we source samples of all the wines. So, uh, for example, the Margarita Cabernet is made uh, in the Nanup Winery. And we get samples sent over and then we spend, um, well, days really. We'll look at each sample, deem it to be worthy or not into the blend. Um, it's also a lot to do with the history and experience. So we work with the same vineyards a lot. So we pretty much have a good idea of what wines will make the cut and what won't. Um, but then again, with vintage variation, we there's always lots of options and we tend to spend a lot of time not only about quality, but it's style and fit. So um, certain things, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, but we spend a huge amount of time uh, blending and it's, I sometimes liken it to if an artist was, was painting a picture, they'll spend a lot of time building the base and doing the groundwork. And then towards the end, you're just adding little bits here and there. Say, for example, with the cab, the, HIV Cabernet Sauvignon, we might be looking at a little bit of overblend of Cab Franc or, or Malbec. And we're looking to fill the picture of the palette. And so the palette needs to be seamless. And, you know, like we'll blend in some Franklin River Cabernet. The tannins might be a little bit more prominent. If we need to build the tannin structure, we'll add a little bit more of that. Um, or if we want a little bit more richness and, and dark chocolate, you know, maybe the McLaren Vale portion will come up. If we're looking for some some bright red fruit and sort of mint choc flavours, then maybe a little bit more Kunawara Cabernet. But um, once you get to that that last bit and you can sit back and say, wow, that's a wine we're happy with, you know, that it does take quite a few days because we're always looking at different parcels and, and trying to improve the breed. But uh, it's a good day when you finally send that uh, wine off to bottle yeah i can imagine so um and and so each year the recipe is different no doubt yeah we don't have a choice um every year i mean it's it's one of the marvelous things about winemaking um and grape growing is that it's you're constantly challenged uh there's everything's different every year everything's different you never have the same um same weather patterns which influence the grape uh quality so 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 much um it's, it's incredible and, you know, there's vintage variation. There's also variation within a vineyard and variation within vines. Um, every year is different and throws up different challenges and uh, it's certainly never dull in a winery. And it's actually quite a special sort of winery. Like you, you were mentioning earlier that everything actually happens in the winery, which is quite rare. Like if someone goes to visit, they can actually see the winery in action. I mean, even those basket presses from 1991, they're right there and you can see it happening in front of you, which is quite a rare experience and quite a special thing for people to see. And you're now, I think the Petaluma wines are now being produced at the Tintara winery, aren't they? Yeah, that's correct. So that gives us another option. We're looking, looking with more uh, Adelaide Hills fruit and Kunawara Cabernets as well. And that's quite exciting because they are very different, aren't they? So just on the the geology side of things, from McLaren Vale, what are the main differences between McLaren Vale, Tarrah and the Adelaide Hills? 
Oh, firstly, the elevation. So Adelaide Hills obviously is uh, is up around five six hundred metres in parts uh, of altitude, whereas McLaren Vale basically runs from sea level to uh, it, in parts it's up around like in Clarendon I think is up around three four hundred four hundred metres. So it's fairly cool up there as well. But Adelaide Hills gets a lot more rainfall, uh, is a lot cooler, uh, generally ripens later. Um, so slightly the different styles. Um, more medium-bodied, uh, elegant wines, um, but uh, they add a, a fantastic dimension. I think the, the Adelaide Hills Shiraz is really good, but of course it's 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 so well suited to white varieties, Chardonnay and sparkling Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Yep, yep. Oh, no, you, you you cover a, a great range there. Um, we haven't actually touched on any of your like. I'm not sure if you would actually call them the icon wines, but it's definitely so some flagships like the the Eileen Shiraz and Chardonnay. They are two absolutely outstanding wines. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, sure. Uh, love to. Uh, so they are the pinnacle. They're the icon wines. They're the best of the best of what we do and what we can do. Um, made in very small quantities uh, because. Uh, we don't make it if we don't think it's good enough, regardless of, like, we could sell it out 10 times, but uh, we don't want to spoil the legacy of the blend by uh, compromising. Uh, for example, we're about to bottle the 2020 Eileen Hardy Shiraz, and I think that's going to be a total of 2,800 litres. So that's well, I, uh, wow. like 14 barrels. And as I was right. saying, like, we produce over well, uh, two, two, two and a half thousand tonnes of red wine. So... We're talking the best 10 tonnes of wine, or not even that, sorry, the best six tonnes of wine that we get in. Uh, The Eileen Hardy Shiraz is generally off the original plantings in uh, the Hardy's Vineyard in Apatintara. They are 70-year-old vines, a small block that consistently makes incredibly intensely flavoured wines. uh, We handpick the fruit. In, In some years, we'll walk the vineyard and mark out vines that may not be, we think, may make the cut and they won't be handpicked. They'll be left and picked later for um, lesser grades. It uh, comes into the winery. We put it through a berry sorting machine. So the berry sorting machine sort of vibrates and bounces along and any berries that aren't pristine, so anything that's maybe shriveled or slightly small or any anything that's not grapes is removed from the, the, uh, the batch, that then is tipped into open fermenters and we cool it down uh, so it has what we call cold soak which is a form of it color and flavor extraction before the alcohol fermentation starts and, and, and due to this you get um, different compounds that you would otherwise get and this enhances the mouthfeel of the wine and also helps with um, increasing the color uh, again then then that wine's basket pressed and goes to old sorry fine grain new 25 cent new French oak um, and we are going towards more larger format oak containers these days so looking at um, Fudras which are 2500 litres and also Punchins 500 litres because we're finding that the wines are becoming are ma- maintaining more fruit and there's a, a finer integration of oak uh, into the wine. Right. Okay. You actually just mentioned mouthfeel before, and um, I think that is something that really I, I personally find that when I'm drinking, when I'm fortunate enough to be having something like a an Eileen Shiraz or Chardonnay, it is it's that 
quite extreme mouthfeel that it just fills it touches on every single part of your mouth and it's you can you can actually feel the love and care that's gone into making these wines so you've you've just had your global vintage release are you did you produce a 2019 Shiraz Eileen Shiraz or did you just yes. jump from it? You did. Okay, right. I, I haven't had that one. I know. I know the eighteen was an outstanding, outstanding wine. Um, I haven't had the twenties yet. Quite once again, I've got a few in my cellar, which is which is great, and I need to get some more. Um, something I think is actually quite funny, and this is just whilst we just because we do need to finish up. I had a read of this uh, uh, yesterday, and I actually think it might have been the the YouTube interview that you sent me, which was fantastic. And if anyone wants to go on and check it out, it's a forty five minute interview, and it's actually it's done in the Tintara Winery. I found out that the Tintara Winery holds the oldest bottle of Australian red wine and it's actually an 1867 Tintara Vineyards Association wine. Now that is cool in itself but the other thing is it actually is the second oldest wine because way back an auctioneer actually dropped the oldest wine bottle in Australia. Do you know that story? Yeah it's uh, quite a tragic story. There was was two (laughs) bottles of this wine identical. Um, One which we have stored the one on display is actually a replica. Don't tell anyone because we wouldn't be able to afford the insurance to have the original on display. But uh, we've got it hidden away safely. But the other bottle um, was actually, as you say, the an auctioneer was handling the bottle, putting it up for auction with his velvet gloves on and slipped out and smashed the bottle, which I think was hoped to go for over $100,000. Oh. Um, I, I don't think the auctioneer got his bonus that year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think he might have just had to find a new career. Look, this has been um, a great, Jill, great interview. Can... Matt, thank you so much for your time. I do know that we need to move on. So Simon's Jill, already just, you know, giving just, a heads up. Let me just quickly before we do go, um, mm-hmm. we had a, a, one of the listeners texting a question and speaking of old bottles and special occasions and, and don't go dropping this, Christopher, <laughs> um, but he's got a 1999 Eileen Hardy Shiraz waiting for a special occasion. How long should he wait um, if it's been cellared well, it would be drinking really well now. So this is pushing 22 years of age. It, it should be fantastic. But um, it's it, it's hard to say. Look, I think the best thing to do with wine is always buy a dozen and drink one every you know year or two, depending on the wine. But I think it would be drinking really well now as long as it's been cellared well. Cellaring a wine in good condition is, is vital if you want to keep uh, – your wines for some time, some time it needs to be a cool consistent temperature but that is a really good vintage so i would think that that wine would be looking really good now and i'm free to help uh if anyone is uh needs someone a professional opinion on the wine when it's open yeah <laughs> that's good i'm inviting myself to that tasting as well <laughs> matt thank you so much we're going to let you go and enjoy your sunday um we'll be in touch we'd love to get you back on the show again soon if, if you're up for that yeah, my pleasure. It's been great, uh, Jill and Simon, and um, be happy to come back anytime. Great. Thanks Maybe. so much. Take care. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Bye-bye.